This episode of Auto Dealer Live is brought to you by True Car. Turn on that radio and back here. The cops ain't likely to catch up with us, not tonight. So we can all be quiet and peaceable and listen to the music. Hey man, what's up, T? What up, Dave Villa? What up, T? Elwell? Hey, hey, hey. That's hey. right. We are back. It's that time again. It's that time again. Hat tip, Chris Fritcher. That's Fritcher's tagline. Mm-hmm. So, what we got going on today, Dave? I heard something about a BBC, something about a boardroom. I don't know if these things are connected. You're I don't fired. know if there's. Oh, it's like. <laughs> That's here. You see what he's doing, folks? He's giving you little hints. Guess who we have on the show today, huh? Uh-huh. He said you're fired. He said we said boardroom. Anything? No? Well, it's not going to happen anyway. But we have Bud. Uh, we have uh, Deanold <laughs> Tramp. We have, <laughs> we have Ronald Tramp here. <laughs> Ronald, make the car business great again. Ronald Tramp. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be a show, man. It's going to be a show. And uh, we have the BDC boardroom. Part three, part three. We started this a couple of years ago with the uh, with one of our sponsors uh, and friends and um, uh, regular contributor. Oh, I got some coffee here, man. What's up, brother? Oh, Shannon, shout out to my assistant. She put some. Co- I'm, I'm all jacked up here, dude. We got to get like, this cord is. I got no ears. All discombobulated. I got no ears. I think I, I can hear, but mind. cords in my way. So um, we uh, we started a couple years ago, and um, with BDC Boardroom with one of our uh, friends. One of our sponsors, um, Alan Ram. Okay, and uh, it was it was started because a couple of years ago when uh, Sean V. Bradley of uh, Dealer Synergy and Alan Ram of Proactive Training Solutions um, just really disagreed with the fundamental concept of the BDC discussion. They they basically one was left and one was right. Right. You know whatever side you want to say is which. And um, so Sean. You know, really discussing. He was a, he's a trainer, and he says, "Hey, you know what? Bring in a separate layer of business development um, on top of your sales force. You know, have them have everything filter through this BDC, um, handle all the calls and so forth." And Alan, you know, you know Alan. You spend a lot of time more more time with Alan than than you have probably with Sean, because since then Alan's become a sponsor. Alan's become a regular guest and so forth. And um, it was said, you know, by a panel of three dealers that we had on. The show, um, it was said that uh, um, it was said that uh, um, the uh, I can't you, you throw me off on that man. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, hey, hey, read this. I'm like, what was that? Donald important? Trump? What? No, I'm kidding. So <laughs> back in the day, yeah, you're talking about back Sean in the Bre- day, right. you know, when I was a teenager before I had status and Mom's before spaghetti. I had a pager. <laughs> All right, um, you got one opportunity. 
Mr. Chance. I don't know, man. You're talking about Sean Bradley and you're talking about Alan Ram back Sh- in the day. Yeah, so Sean Sean Bradley, you know, had uh, this his 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 whole training was based on hey, having a layer, having a BDC um, on top of the Salesforce. Ad- Alan, you know, insisted, look, you don't need this. You know why? And you know, and he had a good point. I mean, and they and they, and they debated this thing out for an entire forty five minutes. I mean, Dave Cribbs was the host, uh, co host, and, and and he and I uh, handled this, and it was it was pretty hectic, man, going up to this time frame. I mean, they were going at it. You can actually Google the debate between Sean B. Bradley and Alan Ram today. Yeah, watch it. Epic. You can watch. Oh, man, it was it was crazy. And um, here's what happened. The deal is they debated on the fact of like, look, and, it, and it, by the way, it was very civil when they got on the show. It was really civil. They disagreed, but it was civil and it was really good. And it was it was it was full of rich content. But here's the premise. So and we're not going to talk about that today, but there's going to be elements of that because we kind of moved beyond that. But have we? You know, and and so Alan's beef was: Look, why train another layer of people? Add to your payroll. You know, obviously they got to make some money on top of just payroll. So you know, add to the fact that there's going to be splits on commission and things of that nature. Why add this group of people to do what this group of people over here can already do? And it was almost like it was forced to say dealers don't want to retrain their salespeople. They don't want to lose the sacred cow. We've had a ton of shows since then about that kind of concept. So we have to hire this other group of people because it needs to be done and they're not going to do it otherwise. So it was almost like, you know, Alan was right. Sean's product though is valid because, you know, so it was anyway, group of panel of three dealers after voted Alan the winner and all hell broke loose on after that. I think you can make arguments on both sides. And I think that's what we, that's, that's a lot of times what, you know what evolves on this show that discussions evolved into you know people have very strong opinions and they um some uh you know uh some are pro, pro this and some I are just through you off. i'm like ezra thomas like duh yeah, you gotta, go ahead duh. Well, i read you talk so i can actually so some you. things are like with the dealers and they do the thing and then some do other things and then uh, some do not like those things you get it no, what I was going to say was before I was so really stupidly interrupted by Ezra, I'll blame it on you. Yeah, I'll blame it on you, bro. I want to blame it on him. I'm the one that told him to interrupt. Calm down. All right, relax yourself. So what I'm saying is people just have very strong opinions. There's valid points on both sides of the equation, and that's what we're here to talk about. Yeah. That's what this whole thing is about. There's going to be a ding-ding, like straight-up Apollo ding, Creed ding. in the ring with uh, Rocky at the end of, I don't know, the second one, right? He's like, ding-ding, and he does that. He puts his mouthpiece mm-hmm. in, and he's like, doing ding ding and they do it. And it stops till the next one. And then it picks up the next time. Yeah. We got to stop, like, smoking crack or whatever we're doing before the show because, you know, the, the beginning of these things are kind of getting off hand a little bit, you know? I don't know what they I don't know what they resembled before, but I know right now they're They not, resembled a, sh- a show. Oh, okay. There was some content. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Yeah, you know. So what would you say it's, it's resembling good. now? It's good, man. It's a better show. It's a better show. So it still yeah. resembles a show. That's all we can... Hey, oh, hey oh, check oh. this out, T. What, we got uh, Gary V. Listen to this. If you haven't gotten, if you don't get Dealer Solutions Magazine every once in a while, this is our in-house magazine here, Dealer Solutions Magazine. Ezra, can you pull it up towards the camera a little bit? Ezra, do something. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. He's do. See, there's Dealer Solutions Magazine. Um, Gary V. This is our 22nd um, edition, a monthly edition. So this is the two-year magazine. Um, it's, it's full of content. Here's the deal, man. I mean, this cost me money. Okay, so this isn't something we make money on. And so this costs money, but we put this out. It goes out to 12,000 dealer principals and general managers and then also automotive uh, professionals every month. Uh, this month, we had Gary V on the cover, and also he was a featured article inside. Thank you, Gary V, for being on the magazine cover. Um, 
for, so two things. If you want to get this magazine, make sure that you tweet out and then just uh, to hashtag Auto Dealer Live and say I want to get Dealer Solutions Magazine. They'll get it to the uh, uh, to the uh, magazine team and we'll get you on the list. And it's free. I would say there might be a chance you're already getting at the dealership. Maybe you don't even know about it. But that's yeah. something that IPD puts out as uh, as our as a tribute to the business. That's something we, you know, this show and even our product that we sell in that magazine, it's all a, out of respect for the business that we serve. And auto I think business. people, yeah, the auto business, I think people don't even know that. But there's more, there's more than just us trying to get a check for what we do. It goes a lot deeper than that. And we're looking to see people succeed and do well. And Arnold said it was at the end of Rocky 3. And I think I wrong, Arnold. I think it was the end of Rocky 2 because Rocky 3 is when Creed got killed, right? I don't know, man. I think there's so many dang Rocky movies by the by the Russians. There's so many. Dang, they're all good, but there's so many Rocky movies. No, Ru- Russian was four. Russian was four. Mr. T was three. Shut up, Kevin. Mr. T was three. Remember Mr. T in the Rocky? Mr. So Mr. T, T was three. So Mr. T was, three. was Apollo still alive in three? Uh, yeah, because he got killed in four. It was four. It was the Russian who killed him. No, they resurrected him in three, and then he got killed again in four. He oh, died. Yeah. yeah, he died of AIDS in two. <laughs> was resurrected in three, and then got killed in four by the Russian. A lot of, lot of. See, people don't Putin, know the backstories of that stuff. Yeah, Putin punched him. Putin. It would have been Gorbachev then. Stupid. Yes, it would have been. Yes. So we. Um, That's so how I got that little birthmark on his forehead because before he not Creed out, Creed, Creed, Creed slapped gave him, him, him the forehead. damage. Hey, um, can I say about hot yeah, hash? Man. Can I hashtag auto to your live, please? Can uh, it seems like we're getting a lot of Twitter activity. Uh, seems like a lot of people making fun of me already. So I don't know why you think it's okay. Let me tell you what. If I see you, little whoever you are, if I see you in person, let me tell you, something might happen. <laughs> I'm pretty big. I don't know if you know. I'm, I'm a big guy. Yeah. But you should tweet us using the hashtag, hashtag AutoDealerLive. Um, and when you hashtag, if you're doing like t- voice to text, make sure you don't say pound sign BDC or something to that effect. I saw somebody, Curtis Snyder, God bless you, buddy. It looked like he must have done voice to, voice to text because it's it's all one word pound sign BDC spelled out. So he was I think he meant to hashtag BDC, and unfortunately it did not work out in your favor. But but here we are talking about it. See, so it did. Or did you mean to do that, you crazy <laughs> genius, you? Huh? Hey hey, real quick, I want to say uh, we're going to go to commercial break. And we're going to come back um, with our BDC boardroom panel. You don't want to miss it. We've got a couple of first timers on the show today. We got two. General managers of uh, two different dealerships, obviously, that have never been on the show before. Uh, we have two incredible, incredible gentlemen that are going to be coming on for our second segment today. Um, we also have um, a uh, we also have a director of dealer strategy, and uh, she's she is with uh, a big dealer group as well. And then we have a former uh, e-commerce director with uh, Berkshire Hathaway. So we've got some dealers on the show today. The next up, and speaking of the next up, um, I want you to. To check out the brand new logo for our man Clint Burns. What's up, that? Clint Burns? What's up, Clint? Clint to the Burns. I saw Clint Burns took a picture with uh, Grant this past Monday at the Rockstar Auto Conference. Matt Keenan, I heard that thing went off the chart, man. And I'm uh, sorry I couldn't be with you. I, Mike and I were planning on going up there. Had something going on at the uh, had a conference going on at the church we had uh, that we already were part of uh, uh, being being part of the leadership there. So, uh, but I heard it went off well. So Clint Burns, man, Look with the logo. next up. Look at that logo. That logo is freaking. It's tight. Tight. That's t- tighter than... You're, you're a tight, you whiteies. Yeah. Say it. We'll put it out there. Hey, and listen, also, uh, make sure you check out at NADA uh, next week, Clint Burns and the crew. They're going to be giving away a Louis Vuitton. Louis V. Louis V. They're going to be giving away Louis V at their booth. Go check them out. That's the next up. So Louis speaking of the next... Huh? Louis V what? Uh, purse, I believe. Oh, okay. I, b- I believe that's what... You know what? I don't have... This is not my phone. Ezra, is this your phone? 
Uh, so it's locked, isn't it? Uh, yep, it's locked. I think it's a purse. Okay. Hey, do me a favor. Next up, tweet in, tweet out, and we'll make sure we retweet it. What kind of uh, Louis Vuitton item that you'll be uh, giving out at NADA? Go ahead. I got nothing. I nothing to add to that. Huh? I was going to say, if, if you're a dude, hey, guess what? Your Louis wife Vuitton. likes a purse. That's right, or, man. Get some points, what? brother. Craigslist. You know, a, a few bills. This is legit. Yeah. Little certificate of authenticity. A few bills. I think a Louis Vuitton, man. You can, yeah, this thing's are pretty. If you want to move it quick, you sell it for a few bills on Craigslist. I'm just saying. Hey, the next up, speaking of the next up, the next up is the BDC Boardroom Part 3 panel. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back. We'll be back. We'll be back. And I must, also. I must break you. Also, we'll be, we'll be back. I must break you. <laughs> See Go with the pros who know. Your dealership wouldn't trust its vehicles in the hands of an uncertified technician. So why trust its finances with accounting firms that don't know your business? Rosenfield & Company knows the automotive industry and has been serving dealerships like yours for over 20 years. We take pride in helping our clients grow from single point stores to some of the largest dealer groups in the country. We are more than just your accountants. Our team can guide you through mergers and acquisitions, operational reviews, succession planning, and more. Visit us on the web for more information at www.rosenfieldandco.com. Jason Rice from Lot Pop, and let me tell you what we do to help dealerships increase used car sales 20 to 30 percent in gross and volume. Three areas we focus on, trend reports, we look at weekly trends that no one else is trending to make adjustments on our inventory. Two is we do weekly review calls to review those trends, but also we dig through every car that needs to be price adjusted to increase the searches. And three, we do a virtual lot walk, make sure every car is standing tall in line and make sure we don't have bad photos like these. Check out our website, lotpop.com our blog at AutomotiveRevolution.com, and our weekly video tips at IncreasedTurn.com. Thanks. Hello, I'm Alan Ram, president and founder of Alan Ram's Proactive Training Solutions. Let's face it, good managers are defined not by what they do when they have a showroom full of customers, but more by what they do when there are no customers in the showroom. In 2015, whether you like it or not, the car business is all about conversion of opportunities and driving traffic. All those great closers and desk people are not doing you a whole lot of good if your dealership is not converting effectively on the telephone and internet. As an owner or dealer, when you see five salespeople standing by the front door doing nothing, don't kid yourself, your dealership is not being effectively managed. Management by Fire is a two and a half day intensive course conducted entirely by me that teaches managers how to effectively manage in today's automotive industry. Simple processes for driving high quality traffic. For more information on upcoming events, please call my team at 866-996-4665. Once again, 866-996-4665. Thank you. Service Group has over 40 years of experience empowering dealerships to grow profits, develop personnel, and provide their customers with a high level of service. 
We offer high-quality products, world-class servicing, and innovative training and technology. Meet our team, first-class trainers, the best account managers, and an executive team that's second to none. This is your service group team. We look forward to giving your people the power to Max Profit Selling, an easy-to-follow, buyer-friendly sales process that will give you the tools, skills, and confidence to consistently sell premium vehicles to delighted buyers. To learn more about selling the way your customers prefer to buy, please visit NoPressureSelling.com or call 1-800-515-0034. On time, Tommy. This hair, you know how long it takes me to do my hair? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like three minutes. <laughs> so I want to make sure I keep it quaffed as long as I can before I got to put this stupid headset back on. <laughs> quaffed. Yes, next week we will be wearing earbuds or something different. Next week we're going to do something different. That's awesome. I'm so excited about that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Hey, all right, so by the way, uh, next up to be giving away, it's not only a purse for the ladies, but it's a wallet. I'm assuming that a, that a yes, it's a men's wallet. A men's, come on, man. See, it's a man's world. It's a man's world. All right. Without further ado, we want to go ahead and get to the next up on Auto Dealer Live today. This is BDC Boardroom Part 3. And we have on our incredible, uh, talented, dynamic, dynamic, freaking wonderful panel today. We have Chris Bennett, uh, general manager at Nissan Fort Lauderdale. We have... Jennifer Briggs, no stranger to Auto Dealer Live. She's a director of dealer strategy for Zemont Auto, uh, part of the Cardinale Automotive Group. We have Senor Ricky Lopez, vice president of Ross Advisors and Ross Hispanic, formerly uh, e-commerce director for Berkshire Hathaway. That's Warren Buffett, y'all. He's very wealthy. Yes. And uh, so Ricky, Ricky, you know, Ricky, uh, you know, was making too much money there. Say, hey, listen, Warren. I'm going to have to move on down the road. We got Gus DeLeon. Uh, he is the sales director at Toyota Far in Texas. Um, guys, we're glad to have you on our BDC boardroom panel today. I hope you guys are having a, uh, having a great week so far. And uh, want to jump right into um, kicking this thing off. And, you know, I don't know a better way to do it than to get the person who is the pot stirrer of all pots, Jennifer Briggs. <laughs> you know I was going to. Jennifer knew I was going to go to her first with that. So, Jennifer. Here's the deal. Just, I mean, if you watched your video, for I know you, okay, so I've seen you do that in person, okay? But when you know something, when you know that you know that you know something, you just, and you, nobody can talk you out of it, Jen, okay? Your video itself just said, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to train you people. School you, I think. I'm going yeah, to school you guys. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to train you and educate you guys on BDC, and I've got the real answers. Jen, here's the deal. I want to go ahead and put this thing out there and I want to start it by saying okay and this is not what we're going to talk about but I got to I got to address it I got to I got to close the loop on it I mean it's Jen do we need do we need to teach our salespeople how to also be business development professionals do they need to be able to do this or should we 
because they can't should we bring in this group of people add this overhead to and, and by the way it causes in some dealers opinion a management void where now i've got to bring someone in that probably doesn't know what they're doing you know to manage this extra group of people how do we do this thing at a dealership jen sure right start over one more time your, your voice cut out now you're on go ahead okay that's going to depend on the store can you hear me are we good we can hear you okay perfect there's no one-size-fits-all answer. Should the sales reps be able to do this? Yes. But we have created an environment where we're not training them to do that. Mm -hmm. We don't focus on that. We focus on our salespeople, get out there, get on the porch, catch fresh up. We as dealers are not teaching them to grow their own business and to develop that on their own. We, if we're not going to invest the training or we don't have that management that we need on the floor, then the BDC is the alternative that some dealers have. Is it right for everyone? No. At Cardinelli Automotive, we don't have a BDC. We are cradle-to-grave internet sales. But a lot of dealers that I work with have a BDC, and I happen to be known for creating very successful BDCs. So I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all answer. Mm -hmm. I do think we need to teach every person at a dealership how to develop business. Okay. So I'm going to ask this question then. Gus, I'm going to ask you this question. And, Jen, we're just going to be – we're going to be right down the middle of the day, okay? So I, I love you, and, you know, I love everybody that comes on the show. But I'm going to try to be – it's, it's against my nature, actually, to be kind of like down the middle because, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a nice guy. But I want to ask this. Gus, you're a dealer. Yeah. Is the answer that Jen just gave kind of a politically correct answer that, hey, I got, Dave, I don't agree with the fact that salespeople shouldn't be able to do this. But, hey, I train dealers on BDCs. And so I, I, I love making the money, and I love helping them, and I love doing that. And I know Jen's shaking her head no, but I mean, I know it's not about the money, but I mean, you know, there's a need for me. I mean, look, I'm glad dealers don't know how to market, you know, like I do. I mean, look, I'm, I'm glad they, they do. If I owned a dealership, I, I might do some things second, myself. Though. One second, though. I don't get paid to train dealers on BDC. Okay. I, get, I help dealers put together whatever strategy is best for them. It's not, I don't get paid to train on BDC at all. What I'm saying is I'm sick and tired of people saying that it sh what works for one dealer should work for every dealer. You have to customize that strategy. I am not saying exactly. to do a BDC because I get paid for that. Okay. I'm saying as a dealer, look at the culture of your store and decide what's best for you. That's what I'm saying. Okay, but, but, okay, okay now I understand that. And, I, and, and, and that I'll give you then. So I didn't know. And that's what it kind of sounded like maybe that, hey, you know what, I kind of see this point. But, but no. you know, okay, so Gus, let me ask you this. And somebody said exactly, sure. but let me ask you a question. I hear the culture thing, okay? And I get, I get that. I believe in culture. I have a training I do on culture shock, and, I, and I'm speaking a lot of places talking about that culture. I get it. But to me, that's not a culture thing. To me, that's like, it's, to me, what's not culture about teaching our salespeople, you know, I guess let me ask you this. What people that are in sales at a dealership are disqualified or are excused from not learning how to handle calls in a form and fashion of a BDC. I guess, I guess what people, like what people not are excused from that, I guess I should say. Where does the culture come in? Not a single in? one. Not a single one. Sure, I'm, I'm, I'm about culture, and, and Jay Briggs, you're right. You know, some dealerships, it's one way, some it's another. But everybody's going to have to learn about uh, follow-up. Everybody's going to know about the ability to take calls or, or make calls and set the appointments. And, again, 
so uh, I've never been of the culture to have someone come in outside and manage it or a BDC that just makes the phone calls. No, not even, you know, how many, what's the statistic? How many sales people follow up? Like a lot. <laughs> I think it's Yeah, I think it's like, yeah, it's probably more, 48 is probably an old stat, but everybody's got to be doing that follow-up. Yes, fresh up, I'm with you, but how many times do they close on the first up? They don't. We know that it's getting, you know, what is it, 1.4 people visit a dealership before they buy the car. Well, mm-hmm. I don't know how true that is, but I do know this. Everybody's going to have to follow up, whether they just say hi, if it's a service customer, whoever it is, and they're going to have to follow up again and again and again to either develop that relationship where they'll eventually buy from you or you be the guy that's on the forefront of their mind. So when it comes to BDC, everybody's going to – that's more of a, of a culture for sales, not so much a, a – you know, a dealer specific, but everybody's going to have to be uh, drinking the BDC Kool-Aid. I've always been a big fan of BDC, and every sales pro that their numbers start going up, what do you think they do more of? Start taking more ups or making more calls? Hmm. Before, Tommy, before Tommy goes to Chris and, and, and Ricky here, Jim, I'm going to give you one another chance to kind of, kind of piggyback on this. I mean, because let's think about this for a second. Okay, what Gus just said, not a single one. So here's my question, and I, and I, now if I ask the question, do I see a need? Out of the 20,000 roughly franchise dealerships, you know, dealerships in the United States, you know, that spend money on advertising and training and things of that nature. Okay, so do I see a need for companies that do that? Yes. Because that wasn't my question. My question really was, so is it a culture thing or is it more like the companies that are selling BDC training or going and saying, hey, I'm going to help you hire a layer of BDC people? Are they really in a BDC staffing organization and are they really hiring future salespeople? that will outlast the old salespeople. And if that's the case, shouldn't we shoot some of the old salespeople or why can't they learn? I mean, my freaking 72 year old father-in-law texts me, you know what I mean? I mean, and he's on social media. I, he emails me all the time. So I mean, here's, that's you. my question. And then I'll let Tommy. I'm with you. Okay. I am 100% with you. And like I said, we don't, we just help dealers, but there are mm-hmm. staffing agencies and it's not just the agencies or the BDC companies that are coming in to train. The OEMs are forcing this on dealers as well. you got to realize that. General Motors is telling you, you have to have a BDC. Right. And you're 100% right. It should be the latter. It should be that you are training the next generation of sales. My very first BDC, Internet Sales Department, I ever ran, mm-hmm. 50% of the people stayed in my call center, 50% flipped out to the sales floor, knowing how to prospect, how to cold call, how to mine, how to generate business for themselves. Mm-hmm. So it should be a training ground for the sales force of the future. It should be, like uh, David Kane has said, business development dealership. Mm. That's good. Exactly, exactly. I like that. So, Mr. Chris Bennett, you are with us, correct, sir? Yes. Yeah, we got to correct. We got to correct one thing, though. I'm I'm not from Florida. I don't I don't know where you got that from. I'm from you want to be from Florida, yeah. though, don't you? <laughs> yeah, you're from Pennsylvania, aren't you? I'm from Pennsylvania. Yeah. Well, it says down. I have no idea where this came. I looked down at this, and I knew you were a GM, brother. I knew you were a GM, and on my list here it okay. says sales and marketing for Fort Lauderdale Nissan. I apologize. And so, uh, oh, well, you want to correct the record, uh, yes. Chris? Tell us where tell us where you're a GM. Uh, no, I, uh, we just opened up Allentown Kia in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Awesome. Uh, great, great store. It's, uh, it's from the start. But I want to go back to, to Ms. Smith-Briggs' uh, question here that you were having about the BDCs. I think that, that with the salespeople, I think that creates a culture in the entire dealership. If you can train BDC reps with salespeople, 
it's almost a perfect storm. You should absolutely, if, if a salesperson is taking a phone call, making a phone call, I mean, even just meeting a customer, if they don't have the skills to be able to do that on, on, on the phone, uh, what's the point? What are the, ma- what are the managers doing? And that, 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 I agree 100% with you on that. You know, it's got to be a culture in the dealership. And, again, it's generalized a little bit because it depends on the size of the dealership. Um, I think the platform, in my personal opinion, from my experience, the platform for Internet leads and social media and all that stuff coming in, yes, gets handled by the BDC. they got to be on the ball. they got to get the stuff rolling. But that's not an excuse for a salesperson to sit out front mm-hmm. and hang out and wait for that magical up bus that we all joke about to pull up. they got to be out working the phone, figuring out how to do it. And how, what much, how great is it? If you can have the BDC working side by side with every salesperson, I mean, that that creates the perfect storm and the best environment that you could possibly have. Hmm. Well, let me ask you this then, Chris. If uh, I know we talk about salespeople having the skill set to do what BDC people should be doing. Is it that, I mean, are we, uh, is it, are we talking about the same people that, I mean, are they, are they cut from the same cloth? In other words, like salespeople aren't, you know, necessarily phone BDC like salespeople aren't necessarily making well, 300 calls a day you know a uh, salesperson well, well, well I hope that call that 300 calls a day question comes up later in this uh, BDC conversation because I'd like to touch base on that as well mm-hmm. but um, no you know cut from the same cloth listen sales is sales whether you're selling a car to somebody that is in front of you or you're selling it to them on the phone and um, you know it, I, I've worked with people that were in their 60s, that have been in their early 70s, that have been in their 20s. And in their 20s, 60s, and 70s, um, they couldn't handle um, this or fathom, like, oh, man, I have to pick the phone up and I have to do this. But it was an excuse. If they're properly trained, they can absolutely 100% accomplish it. And that goes to really just do you show up to your job to do 110%? Or do you show up to your job to have excuses so that you can you can do fifty percent? I really don't fall into that whole cut from the cloth theory. Ricky Lopez, I'm going to let you uh, jump in here. I mean, you know, you've you've uh, you've built BDCs, you've worked with them, you've been in the car business, you were in the car business prior to there being a BDC, and, and we we didn't have this discussion. I mean, you firsthand. I mean, and, and you've been an independent, you know, or uh, uh, independent franchise stores and or individual franchise stores. You've been with groups. You've seen it on all sides, okay? So you see the the issue here, man, on both sides. What are we really dealing with here? Because, I mean, let's just face it. I mean, none of us are arguing with the fact that people are shopping online and people are starting their process there and they're going to reach out to the dealership by the phone. But how many times have you, Ricky, heard you know, uh, uh, different types of ghost calls and, and mystery shopping calls where people have called into a dealership asking questions. I'm talking like, hey, I'm looking for an F-150 and uh, do you have any on the lot? And then, you know, or do you have a 2008, you know, or what have you? And then all of a sudden, instead of, you know, what you would do, getting that person in the dealership and, and trying to get a buyer maybe into something you don't have or something that they may not have thought they wanted, but but something you have, they're telling them, nah, we don't have that, or hey, let me check and have someone call you back. They handle the whole deal wrong. I mean, so we're, we're not only dealing with should salespeople be handling, I think some of the people that we're training, you know, don't know how to handle a phone call to begin with, and they're sending the person down the road and TOing it to their neighbor. I mean, what do you think about that? Well, here's something to start off with. Coming to your market and taking your market share soon. 
this is what's going to happen if you guys keep thinking your managers and your salespeople are going to follow up with internet leads. The last two months, we built a dealership that all they have, they, we took the sales calls and the internet leads away from the salespeople. At first, they were upset. Now they're happy because this department is setting up 348 appointments a week, selling over 350 cars a month. These and and every lead gets followed up with, every call gets taken care of, and we keep doing this for the last 10 years, and we'll be here 10 years from now talking about the same thing about managers and salespeople. You know, like I said before, you want to build a good dealership, build a good, and I don't even call it BDC anymore. I call it GRC, which is Guest Relations Center, okay? And and if you want to keep killing your dealership, keep doing it the same way you're doing it. You need to, you know, get rid of all these old sales guys and build your dealership around your GRC center, which means a couple of months from now you start seeing who your stars are in there and train them into salespeople. And then, then you then you keep rehiring, and then six months from now you have a good sales force that's all internet because we keep thinking that only a percentage of people are coming in, you know, from the internet. It's not a percentage; it's a hundred percent. Everybody goes on the internet, mm-hmm. and we still have these old car guys in there that come in, and yeah, well, we don't have their car anymore, and they don't even ask him the perfect question: Are you here to see the vehicle you saw online? You know, and and, and that's the thing. I mean, but. Like I said, if we don't change our culture, what's going to happen is it's those of you are going to stay where you're at and you're going to lose more and more market share. And we know because we went in this, this dealership, we went from number four to number one in that state in two months. Hmm. Let me ask you guys this. We're talking about um, some accountability issues um, and how to overcome them within the BDC. I was looking at a couple things and um, – you know, one one of the points was if there was no BDC, the process is simplified. Salespeople reach out to customers, managers hold them accountable. Um, yeah. We were also talk. I also saw something. You know, uh, in that same vein was the salesperson. You know, had a customer tell a BDC rep at his dealership that he never tried getting a hold of them, and he had fifteen times. His manager sees that he's, uh, he or manager sees that and he thinks he's not doing his job. So you know, those kind of things you know happen in the in the course of the dealership. Um, is there is are there accountability issues because of the separation between sales and BDC and people dropping the ball and things getting fell, falling through the cracks and ultimately people not getting uh, service the way they need to? Is that um, how do we overcome that in this issue? Jen, if you want to take take that over, or whoever wants yeah. to, to address that's that first. managers, that's managers. Yeah, my question in that scenario is: if that salesperson called that customer fifteen times, why wasn't it logged in the CRM? Hmm. Oh my God! This you want a question. hold? You want to hold them accountable. (laughs) Either way, whatever structure is right for your store, whether you're going to go with appointment centers. Ricky, I love the guest relations center. I just tweeted that at you. That's fantastic. If you're going to go with a department like that versus cradle to grave for sales, you still have to use that piece of software to hold the department accountable, no matter which department it is. We're all a sales department. And if you are actually going to to be able to follow up with those customers and those buyers and close those deals, you have to use it. I I hear it all the time. Oh, my salespeople won't use the CRM. We can't do this. We can't do that. I don't trust my numbers. That's your fault as a manager. And it's okay because nobody probably taught you how to use it. It's not your fault. Your vendors should have been helping you with that. But you need to stand up and say, hey, I pay you this much money every single month. Make us rock with this software. 
make us more profitable and help us get more car deals. But you, as a manager, a GM, or a dealer principal, you have to make the commitment to make that the nucleus of your dealership. You know who the worst employee in your dealership is using the CRM? The managers. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, well, I mean, the managers are, are, I agree 100% on that. I'll touch base on this. The managers look at it as an accountability. Well, one, it's a little bit more work for them, and we know managers sometimes want to hang back. You know, I want to generalize, but they want to hang back a little bit. Um, but then also it's closing ratios and this and that. I mean, CRMs are, are what they are, mm-hmm. uh, depending on which one you use. Um, I don't want to throw out now what one that we use, but the one that we use, uh, it, it tracks everything. And for a manager to not be able to manage his people because he doesn't have it in the system, uh, it just doesn't make any sense. Now, I want to kind of go back real quick, if I can, to Ms. Briggs here, that, you know, you were, were you saying that salespeople, all right, so the internet sales manager or sales consultant is saying that the salesperson was making phone calls, just not logging them in the CRM. Am I correct with that? I think I think Tommy's um, analogy was that BD, the BDC claims they never called, and the salesperson says I did call. Right. Is that right? Yeah, well, that was the scenario. scenario. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, that's see. Then that's a whole broken process in itself. And right. again, every topic that you guys talk about weekly, and I listen to your to your show, and you know, I'm excited to be here, and and, and I listen to, to some Miss Briggs talk on and on. I'm sure she'll be tweeting me later all kinds of crazy stuff. But <laughs> make you feel old, Jennifer. Being called Miss Briggs. Everything, listen, Miss Briggs. Uh, everything is a simple process, and that's what it is. It's people, process, and product, just like Marcus Lamona says. And you have to use everything the way that has to work. If you have, if you're working in an environment, whether you're general manager, general sales manager, used car manager, sales manager, and you don't have your areas of responsibility list, and your BDC is over and up. You can't see my hands, but over upstairs and downstairs, there's 12 to 20 salespeople, and nobody's communicating, and they're bombarding these customers with phone calls all day long. You got a you got a broken process right there. So mm-hmm. they shouldn't be arguing about who called who when. They should be uh, the GM should be arguing with the manager. Why isn't he following a process that should be put in place? Yeah, Kevin Campbell said he said yeah. it's not if it's not in the CRM, it didn't happen. Yeah, and a couple other things here. Calvin Pierce uh, said, I'm 56, and 25% of my sales to date come off of social media, and it continues to grow. Uh, Jeff Collins answered a question earlier that someone had brought up on the – um, and he's like a statistician, you know, he does this all the time. So I I trust him. I mean, it might be from the book of Collins. But anyway, the answer to the question – of how many calls a salesperson on average makes a day is 10, according to Jeff. Gus, I want to go to you because actually I could be converted and I'm not, you know, and I'm, and again, I'm biased, but, you know, based on my comment earlier, it seemed like I was leaning towards, and I probably did lean towards um, a cradle to gray. But I, after hearing Ricky Lopez, what he just said, now see, see, that turned me on a little bit because that's the way I build business here. You know, I, but, but see the problem, and I love it, what Ricky said, and then we kind of throw this out there. Gus, I'll go to you because it's been a while since you've, yeah. you've commented. But what Ricky said basically was. Uh, um, you talking about taking the leads away from people? You're talking no, about that? No, no, I'm talking about what he said earlier when he, was, when he said that, um, you know, with the dealership that's gone to number one there in the, in the state, 
what they've done is created a basically a just an ex- explosive center where it's not just a, tr- a few people here and there, you know, like, you know, making some calls and calling it a BDC. It's 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 like the green room, Ricky, that used to be at Re- uh, Greenway in, in Orlando. You know, I mean, they're like freaking beasts. You know, what I mean, they're and everything goes there and then they take these leads and they generate tons of appointments so that every salesperson is so busy they can't almost work unless it's an appointment. Now, see that concept works but what does that concept take it takes management through the roof because the bottom line is you it's a beast it's a machine so i I freaking love that so i mean if if, it gus if that were what we could all do man let me tell you something that would be no one could argue with that because the amount of appointments that you'd have in you you'd put everybody around you out of business unless they did the same thing gus right so in in the bdc everybody's got to be drinking the kool-aid if you have managers a manager, by definition, does what? Manage. Mm-hmm. He's not necessarily the one that's going to be pounding on the phone. Yes, he has to be that rock star. He has to be able to take that call and take it all the way home, set the example, and train with the, the team so they can see, oh, I saw how Gus did it. Yeah, hey, I can do that too. But everybody's got to be drinking the Kool-Aid, and success is a planned event. Everybody in here knows I that. Like Kool-Aid. So there's no way that a salesperson just on floor-ups alone not working the BDC is going to be successful. That guy has to have, I don't know, an hour, hour 45, where they're going to be in BDC, make the follow-up calls, plan the appointments. Don't forget about CSI stuff. How important is that? When are they going to make those calls if they don't have that time blocked out? Mm-hmm. So, Ricky, I dig what you're doing. The guest relationship center is awesome. Briggs, you're on point. Chris, the same thing. But managers manage. Mm-hmm. They need to be, yes, they're going to be your rock star guys. And the reason why they lay back is because, you know, your MVP, you don't want him running all the time. You want this guy to be fresh. So when it's time to go in, he performs and comes out. So I do believe in a BDC center. I believe it's got to be manned by salespeople who are following a sales pro, like a manager that knows what he's doing, not a, you know, not a, not a one that sit, sits back and bark. Man, I'm out on that stuff. I had a lot mm-hmm. of those when I was growing up, and they all sucked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, when I became, you know, I, I, I'm a big uh, Traver dog. I don't know if you all remember Traver Technologies, but, mm-hmm. man, I drank their Kool-Aid because that was all I had to live by. So, you know, I, I learned that you stand by something, you know, or you'll fall for anything. So I stand by the BDC, man. I stand by everybody making calls, planning out, blocking out an hour of time to make the phone calls and then hit the floor again. You know, otherwise... The same thing goes. You don't want a salesperson taking ups all the time. Give him that room to plan his like, next day, you know. Gus, I like so. your affinity with Kool-Aid, man. I tell you, I'm waiting for a big fat <laughs> yeah, guy to come bust out of the Oh yeah. <laughs> bust out of the uh, the side of a wall there. I haven't had Kool-Aid in a minute. I'm thinking about getting some uh, sending my assistant to get some Kool-Aid right now. Yeah, you, you know what? You know, actually, B- Kevin Campbell. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give him a shout out again. He said they don't call it the BDC. He said we call it the ATM room because it's where you go to get the money. <laughs> oh, yeah. look at Kevin. Nice. Ke- there you go. You like yeah. that? Yeah. Huh? Kevin said that. Kevin yeah. Campbell. He's with like Sandy Sansing on the motorbike. I know he's. Good job, Kevin. Jen, what do you think, Jen? Jen, you and Ricky. You know, I let you guys go back and forth on this one for a second. And then Chris and Gus can weigh in. What about you know? We have our friend Alan on all, in, all the time, and he talks a lot. And, and he got into another uh, heated discussion, you know, uh, a year ago or so with. Um, uh, Jerry uh, Jerry Tebow phone ninjas, and and one of the things they discuss, and I think this is relevant to to the whole BDC thing because you could throw something out there, but if it doesn't work, you and I both know. I don't care what way you go, if it doesn't work, typically people stop doing it, or it becomes yeah. weaker than puppy pee, you know, and and they, they they might as well stop doing it. So my question would be call monitoring or how you know the the quality control, you know, who does that? Does a manager do that? 
Do we lead that to an offsite company? Is there a mixture? How accountable should we be as managers and in, in, in with monitoring the calls to know that quality is, is being handled right? Okay. Um, so here's what I think about that. Okay. I think that the manager should be accountable, but let me preface this by saying I don't think we've trained our managers how to actually manage those things that will make the dealership money. Mm. A sales manager, you ask 10 of them, nine of them will have no clue how the call quality and the training of their sales staff on the phone actually affects their wallet. So a sales manager should be accountable for it, but we did not teach them that. We took that top sales guy who's selling 30 cars a month, and we said, you know what? We're going to fire uh, a Rick here. Not you, Ricky, the other <laughs> one. He's fired, and we're going to make Bob the new sales manager because Bob can sell 30 cars a month. Bob, here you go. Make everybody else do the same thing. We never taught them. So, again, and it's not that I don't want to be in the middle. It's just that it depends on your store. If you had a large group and you got the resources or it's too much, get somebody in there. I don't care who listens to those phone calls. I'm just going to say that. Mm -hmm. Somebody needs to be listening to the phone calls, and somebody needs to be coaching the team. And you as a dealer need to have a commitment to excellence on the phone, no matter what way you accomplish it, internal or external. If you are not good on the phone, you might as well just give it up. Because even if you have a BDC, who's making the outbound calls for the sales rep? You taking those away from them too? Yeah, yes, we did. It's a good we point. We took those away as well. Ricky? What we did is we, I'm sorry. So here, the GRC manager and the sales manager are different. I mean, sales managers manage and they pencil deals and they watch their staff. The GRC manager, what they do is, they listen to phone calls, look over emails to make sure everything has been answered. And to your question, Jennifer, what we did is when we started getting so successful with the GRC center, they only followed up for the first three days. And then we had the salespeople go into the pool and follow on these leads. Well, we figured out that that didn't work. So what we did is we, we hired a long-term team that follows up from the fourth day until, until it dies. Mm -hmm. So now what you do is you have your rock stars following up on the first three days of that lead. And then after the fourth day, it goes to this team that's a good team, but it's not a rock star team. And so, you know, as long as we continue to give the managers the responsibility to listen to phone calls, which they're not going to do because they're too busy trying to work deals, trying to get numbers, and they're not going to do that. I mean, every store that I either mystery shop or go into, the first thing I do is I listen to the phone calls. They're atrocious. The, the way, unless they have a, a BDC center, nobody's calling these people up. I mean, nobody, they call them one time, and if it's hot, then they stay with it. If they don't get an answer, guess where that goes to? It goes to the dealership down the street because that's the way it is. And we still haven't figured that one out because we keep hiring different people to train, and we train our salespeople because we've got a lot of good trainers out there. Mm -hmm. And I agree with you. David Kane's awesome, you know. But what happens is we train these salespeople, and then once the, the trainer leaves, the guy goes to the desk and goes, hey, I got this in here. Was he here? Get him in. <laughs> you know? So all that training that we spend money on just went down the drain because the guy most important in the dealership tells them, don't worry about that guy. Just get the guy in. Forget about the trainer. He's not here. And if you guys don't think that's happening, believe me, I see it every day. And, and so and as far as if you don't have a BDC, our source one. I mean, we just opened one that's bilingual one because we got so many bilingual leads. So 
when the dealership first starts off and they can't get there, well, they use us until we go ahead. Go ahead. You I was just going to say, Alan Ram just weighed in on Twitter. He said, if your managers don't have time, in quotes, to listen to your sales calls, they probably shouldn't be your managers. Anybody want to weigh in on well, that? He, wait, wait, you missed well, yeah, part of it. He said, if your yeah, managers yeah, don't have time, yeah. if your managers oh. don't have time, he actually ended that with, yeah, Jennifer yeah. Briggs. Because Jennifer, <laughs> Jennifer, because I think that was based on your answer. I'm just kidding. I think it was based on your answer just now. I think you got to. Alan's blood pressure shot up because you said something <laughs> like uh, about him being uh, they were so big or something like that. that. You know, have somebody monitor it. I was thinking that, but for sake of time, I didn't bring it. But you were saying if it's so big, you know, you may not have time to monitor all of it. But, for, you know, f- but if you hire somebody, have someone listen to it. And my thought was, right. but I knew it would enter into a whole other dimension of time. But, you know, I mean. Which we don't have. Somebody monitor it, but what if that person sucks? You know what I mean? Like, what if that person is not doing it? I I understand what Alan is saying. Right. I understand what he's saying, but what I'm saying as a dealer, yeah, I agree. But a lot of dealers, and Alan and I have talked about this before, where that's a picture-perfect world, right? Mm -hmm. Let them go. Get somebody who's actually going to do it. But, again, back to culture, if we as, as the directors or the GMs or the dealer principals are not managing the managers to make them do it, then they're not going to. So right. I agree well, with Alan. Hey, Chris. Well, Chris, yeah, you and Gus, I, real quick, I want to give you guys, we got to close in about five minutes. I'm going to give you guys this, just that you guys can comment on this, but I want to throw something out there real quick because it's just something we've done here with our sales and in our BDC. It's something I've recently subscribed to, and it goes along with this. And I think that it's, it's worth saying because, listen, I'm a sales person, and I've trained salespeople for, for 21 years, and I'm going to tell you, this has plagued me, Okay why some people in inside sales and BDC, that's sales, right? I mean, that's what it is. Uh-huh. It, why they don't make it or why can't everyone make it or more make it. So here's, here's three things I think, and two of them we've got down, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge us to think this, and I'm going to let Chris and Gus uh, weigh in on this and give us some closing remarks, and then we'll give Ricky and uh, Jennifer their closing remarks. I think the third one will cause the first two not to even matter. So let me give you the first one. The first one I think is training. Okay, and I think the training and and listen, we come in, I have our guys, we have a training platform here that we do and we sell to to non-dealers. I mean, it's generic general training. I mean, we have companies all over using it that are not automotive majority. My guys come in, they sell dealerships. Okay, and they get on and they train for 20 minutes every morning uh, on this platform. Number one. But then and we do, you know, we do meetings and things like that. Training to me is group. Okay, then the number two thing is coaching. Coaching, training points to direction. Coaching will tell you how to get there, you know? And I think coaching is important. And coaching is like this one-on-one. We can pull them aside. Hey, listen, I've been listening to you. You suck. You know, you do this or whatever it is. You need to change this. So you coach them. Or, hey, good job. Do that more. But listen to this. This is the one I wasn't doing here. And now we are. And it sucks. My guys have, my managers don't really like it. Not only monitoring calls, but recording calls and letting our, listen to this, Letting the guys listen to themselves on the phone because we've told them to a blue in the face. Hey, stop saying that. Stop saying that. But I want to know this. I, I want to know what they're what they're hearing. I want to know how they're overcoming an objection. And I want to I don't want them to tell. I don't want to know what they tell me they're saying. I want to hear what they're saying. See, because if I do enough training to somebody and then I go, hey, what are you saying? And they're going to give me the answer they heard in training, not what they're doing. And so and if they hear their calls, guess what? And we're starting to do this. They realize how bad they suck. I don't know if you've ever heard yourself, but when I hear myself, I'm like, man, bleh, you know, I want to I want to change it. So, Gus, I'm gonna let you and Chris and we got to wrap up. I'm gonna give you guys two minutes each. 
to close out, and then we'll give Ricky and Jennifer. And it's already four twenty-three, and we got two more people we got to bring on. I apologize. Go ahead, I'll Gus. Jump, I'll jump right in. Yeah, training super important. I'm a big advocate of training. Again, if you don't stand by something, you'll fall for anything. If you don't follow one path, a script, a guide, or something, you're not gonna you're not gonna make it because you're gonna be all over the place. Coaching super important. That's you know that well done. Ken Blanchard talks about it. That positive reinforcement, whatever they're doing right. Hey, keep it up. Proud of you. Uh, the last one, recording calls and playing up. Man, that's football. You know that's playing tape. You get to see you're not. You know you're you're dropping your elbow when you swing. You're not you're not really going right when you're supposed to go right. So recording calls, playing it back, coaching one on one is all important. There's got to be buy-in. Mm. You know you you can. What's the saying? You can take a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. That's good. But if you give it some salt, man, it's going to get thirsty. And that coaching training and, and there that, comes that cool lady again. That recording calls. <laughs> it's buy-in, yeah. <laughs> it's the hashtag drink the Kool-Aid. You were yeah, thirsty, so man. <laughs> play the tape. Give them some salt. Train them up, man. You know, put make them ninjas so that when it's time to when it's game time, they can't wait to unload the things that they've learned. But if you're not training, you're right. You're That's not going to have a team. You're not going to have a sales force, and you're going to suck. That's good, guys. Chris. I believe that I, I honestly believe that training one person is also training two people. Um, and what I mean to that is get yourself an iPad, right? Go to that BDC rep or BDC manager, have him make that phone call, the perfect one, the one that he was trained on. Record him or her. Record him or her. Go back. When you listen to those phone calls and they're skipping a beat on them, go back, listen to that phone call with them, then play and show them how they did it the right way. Because that means they know how to do it. So it's either they know how to do it and they got jammed up or they know how to do it and they just don't want to do it and agree with you. And listen, for me to wrap, wrap it up here with you, um, I got to say, nothing bothers me more than a manager that doesn't understand, whether it's a sales manager, pre-owned, GM, whoever it is, any kind of manager, even an owner. I don't care. Owners can be mad at me. Even an owner. If they don't understand, but they walk in and say, how many appointments do we have today? Why aren't these people being called? Was this? You're doing this wrong. You're doing this wrong. Then they don't know how to do it. Mm. So just creating that simple process in your dealership of having every different manager record and on an iPad, go back, sit down. That's training them as well, okay? Because listen, anybody can listen to a phone call and say, hey, you're doing it wrong because this is what the guy that we paid a couple thousand dollars to said you're supposed to do it. Learn your environment. We're family. We spend more time at the dealership than we do with our own personal family. And you'll see my uh, little book and blog that I'm going to have about BDCs out. And I'm going to put Briggs in her place one day. I promise you that. Oh, Briggs. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and she's tough, man. I, I, I would recommend highly not recommend this one. I'm a big fan. She's, she's she, awesome. She, she is. Yeah. Um, and Jennifer, do you want to? You want to punch yeah. him in the face back, or you... no? No, I don't want to punch him in the face. I, 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 meant, I meant enjoy that. verbally punch him in the face. No, no, no. I, I welcome that because like, that means it. that he, yeah. Well, that means that he's going to dig in, and that means that there's one more dealer out there that's taking this seriously. And that's all I want them to do is take a look internally at what's right. happening and what's costing them money. I mean, we make money in this industry just to spite ourselves. We are leaving so much on the table because we don't have the right people or process. Mm. Regardless of what department they're in or where you put them or what you call them, it's all people in process. So here's the one thing that I think that we need to pay attention to. And we talk about BDCs. We talk about scripts and phone training and all of this. I challenge each and every single one of you to think about this. What is the point of a script? 
The point of a script is to control the conversation, collect information, and set a phone an appointment for them to come into the dealership. So I challenge you to say that you're coaching on skills, not scripts. Because I think that everyone's unique voice and personality, that's part of what we're selling too. I always go off card, but I always collect the information, control the call, and set the appointment. Sell yourself and your dealership. As long as your appointment's set, shown, and sold goes up, it's okay if you deviate from the script a little bit. Right. But if you can't control it, collect, and do what you need to do, Stick to the card. I hate saying stick to the card. Make it sound like you, not a robot, and you'll crush it. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's right. You should have seen that guy behind you, Jen, that walked back behind you. We were laughing because there was a guy that walked out of that door, and he didn't want to be on camera, and he, like, he like literally bolted. Like, he was like, and it was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. And that just started. And like, I that's all I needed to get the stupid giggles, and I'm like, I spit up my water. His, Nothing you, you said his, was amusing. His, it was what no. was happening yeah, behind you. <laughs> Did you see his Pikachu hat? Because that's, that's my nine-year-old. He's walking in the office with his little Pikachu hat. Was that, was was that, that who it was? was that? Respect for the Pikachu yeah. hat. Oh, I couldn't tell who it was. Oh, they didn't yeah. want to be on camera, whoever it was. It's like, boom, they just ran, went by. The Pikachu hat. That's awesome. That's awesome. Ricky Lopez. Oh. Yes, sir. Um, you know, training, I agree with all you guys. Training is a big key. The thing is, is though, if you're going to waste your money on training, make sure the trainer's there for a week and he follows up the following month for another week and, and do it four to six months because you're never going to train somebody for three days or two days. And I don't care who your name is and who you are. Nobody can know what's going on in a dealership in two and three days. That's good. So if you're going to spend money in training, spend it and spend it. I mean, a week at a time for six months. And I guarantee you, you will turn that dealership around. Well said. Let me ask you guys this, man. I'm serious. I'm, I think this is uh, – we do the BDC boardroom um, at least every couple of months, like once a quarter. I'd like to have the four of you guys back on together again. I just think it was a really good panel, and I think you guys have more to say. We have a lot of questions we couldn't get to. Uh, would you guys be open to coming back, and and, uh, and um, I can get our guys to reach out to you. Would you guys come back on together? Of course. Awesome. Only if, Alan, only if Alan joins us. Alan. Yes, where is Alan? I'm pretty sure Alan. Yeah, we Alan, need him on this panel. Alan, is on this Alan literally wanted to get on so bad. I think I saw his face come out of my iPhone here. He was like, you know, reaching out there. I mean, he wanted to get on. He wanted to get on at one point. But, yeah, we definitely can have Alan on too. Um, but uh, thank Absolutely. you guys so much for, for, for joining us. And I yeah. uh, appreciate, appreciate all your input. Great, yeah. great Thanks for having yeah. us. I'll bring yeah. the Kool-Aid next time. Yes, bring the Kool-Aid. Yeah, uh, Kiwi <laughs> strawberry, please. Yes, sir. Gus, thank you. Hey, make sure you follow these guys on social media. Chris Bennett, Jennifer Briggs, Ricky Lopez, and Gus DeLeon. And uh, make sure, Mike, that we tweet out a copy of all of their, them on uh, the, any tweets or any uh, f- social media so they know where to follow them. Thank you guys so much. Hey, we're going to jump in. We got to, We still are not finished. We got another 10 minutes or so, and you don't want to miss this. We're going to jump in with a couple of uh, pros here. They're going to be Skyping in, Mike. Okay, so just give me the thumbs up when we go, Tommy. The next up here in just a minute, we're going to have Matt Woods and Tony D on from the service group. These are, uh, this is a, I mean, this is a dynamic group. Um, these guys are F&I uh, giants. And um, I want to, I want to kind of, uh, we're going to spend a few minutes uh, talking to them and, um, and uh, looking forward to that. So just give me the thumbs up. These guys are these guys are great. Um, I, I really want Kool Aid. 
<laughs> you know, know what? great Kool Aid. What a great sales guy that he, you know, he mentions it three or four times. It's like it's like a, a Big Mac commercial. You know, after seeing it for like thirty seconds, you're like, well, I think I'll, I think I don't mind having fancy at a Big Mac. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I say it. Kool Aid three or four times, and me and Dave, yeah, and then, were pretty soon he was like, pretty soon he was like, well, you know, I tell you guys. He gets, the, he gets the measuring cup. He's putting in a cup of sugar. <laughs> he's like, he's you like, know. And I drank the Kool Aid a long time ago, and you know. And he's like, you know, what do you think about BDC guts? He's like, he's like oh, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you uh, something. I busted through the wall <laughs> of a BDC a long time ago. Uh, <laughs> Kool Aid, come on, it's somebody. Summer. It's uh, how about this? On the horizon. Let's how Kool-Aid about how about a book, Mike? We're gonna uh-huh. an autograph book to the best. Hashtag auto dealer live tweet with a Kool-Aid picture in it. The best one. I'm t- it's gotta be like, it's gotta be like, 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 oh yeah, great. Okay. Some sort of cool Kool-Aid pick. Find it out there. Hashtag auto dealer live. We're gonna get a signed book to whoever has the best tweet. You guys you can, go. you guys can uh you guys can pick it. All right. And uh give me the thumbs up and we're ready to roll. Let's keep it clean too. It's a family show, please. Thank you. <laughs> Are we, so well let's let's <clears throat> let's um yeah, we didn't get to half the stuff we could have with with the with the, that panel. No, because I mean, you know, because it's the truth of the matter is there's so much content in in in, in the basic discussions that that are on the surface of the BDC and just the the general. We got to A because a lot of dealers struggle with everything within A. So I mean, a lot of times B C D, which we could ask on. Uh, the questions for for some panelists like like the ones we had on that that have been there that have done some things some of the people that are listening you know are struggling Tommy with with really not even getting into the depth of that yet so there's so much there that centers around it I think that we didn't even scratch the surface well I think you know too I think the BDC has because when I started with this company with our IPD seven years ago you know I, a BDC was not very commonplace in the dealership so when no. we had when we promoted ourselves as having a call center. With our mail piece, mm. it, people were very interested because they knew there was a benefit to it. There was just was there was so much been putting it together, and obviously from what you're hearing, managing it, the cost, <clears throat> the you know the the facilitation of it. Mm-hmm. But I think what's happened, I think in the last couple of years, I think there's been a shift, and I think there's more you know more general car. Yeah, there's more there's more car people, mm-hmm. uh, for lack of a better way to put it, people who right. are in the sales side of things who have taken over those roles. And I think what you're having now is very, very strong BDC departments that um, are, are just an extension of the sales department just having to be doing it a little bit different or doing it on the phone. So, yeah, anyway. So we're good to go. We're back. We're back with uh, we got uh, we next got up. Matt Woods. We got the next t- up. Oh, the next up is. Yeah, of course. The next up. Well, you I didn't say, say the, the next, next up, man. I didn't say the next up. No, you said we're back with the we're back with the you know, we're back. I didn't say the next up. No, you. you I didn't say that logo right there that says the next up. I didn't say that. You didn't say the next up. OK, well, and then let me say it. The next up is. All right. Matt Woods and Tony D up in the place to be with service group. Look at those guys. Look, they got a nice little setup. That's there. strong, up, guys? Man. We just we knew we couldn't come on the show without being like you guys and have some swag up here. And well, you guys look sharp, idea. brother. Yeah, good, good for you. Good you for got, you. Good come thought. on, baby. Is that a space shuttle? No, that's a Thunderbird F-16. Uh, well, that would have been my second guess, but from here it looks like a space shuttle. I'm like 10 feet away. All right, well, that's good. All How are you doing, gents? Thunderbirds. Doing well. We're doing good. We're doing good. How are y'all doing? Doing wonderful, man. Doing absolutely great. I uh, we just got off of just. A, I mean, I'm sure you guys heard a little bit of it, and we're we're a little little behind the eight ball on uh, time with you guys. Um, so I apologize about that. But uh, man, you know, you guys are freaking slaying it, man. And everywhere 
everywhere we look, everything you hear about the service group and, and about what you guys are doing, um, the word that comes to mind and, and uh, that's said often is excellence. You know, just top notch, top shelf excellence. And so let me ask first before before anything else, man, I mean, how important you guys have both been in the auto business for, for quite a long time. Um, and now you're servicing dealerships. How important is excellence? You know, when you're taking money from dealerships and you're trying to help them, you know, move the needle. How, how important is is a simple word, man? Excellence. Matt, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in here. This. I don't like the word perfection because mm-hmm. perfection is completely impossible to reach. You're never going to be absolutely perfect, but excellence is something that you can constantly push the needle. You can constantly push what you're doing to be more relevant, uh, more, uh, more relevant to the audience, more relevant to your dealers. And if you're constantly striving to be excellent, it doesn't matter if someone behind you, it doesn't matter if your closest competitor behind you goes backwards, mm-hmm. you're still looking forwards to improve your game Instead of looking behind you saying, hey, I just want to stay in the lead. If the guy in second place gets a little worse, then I can relax and still stay in the lead. That's not our mentality. That's, that's part of how we continue to achieve what we have since 1969 in the F&I space and in the training and development space. It's been a more recent uh, huge shift to really improve the way that we do that. But, I mean, that's off the top of my head, my first thoughts. What do you think? Excellence is all about the individual people, the processes, and more importantly, the discipline. Uh, when somebody has the discipline to be able to go out and execute the processes in the store, whether it's sales, F&I, sales management, BDC, just like everybody was just talking Mm -hmm. about, it is what achieves the excellence. And that's something that we try to instill into all of our people, not only here at Service Group, our people in the field, our training and development folks, but more importantly to the people there in the stores. Absolutely. Well, you guys are doing it in excellence. Let me ask you, Matt and and Tony, you could, you know, again, both you guys can answer this, but Matt, um, you know, before we get into, it, I want to find out what's what's really hot and what's on the what's 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 on the you know the, the, the horizon with you guys. But let me ask you a question, man. With just Tony was at a digital dealer; he was part of this panel. But I got to ask this because I've had some dealers since the show, Tony, where you were on, um, where we had the debate um, on uh, you on know hybrid, elimination yeah. of the box and things like that. I've had right. some dealers ask me a lot a lot of feedback, and and uh, we were going to do this on the next uh, next F and I panel. But I ask you guys this: Some of the dealers are like, "Well, how am I going to make money?" You know, I mean, within in an age of transparency, in an age where you know the true cars and the companies like this are are you know they're partnering with the dealers and they're providing leads and they're, they're I think they're over that hump of you know of 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 liking true car and embracing it. But in a place of transparency, where a lot of times my salesmen are already getting many deals, you know, my my dealership is 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 possibly making less gross. How can I remove something that's making me so much money? It's one of my one of my profit sources. That's what I'm hearing. And how do you address that? One of you guys want to take that? How would you answer the dealers? And I'm not saying you guys are proponents of that, but how would you answer the dealers that are asking that, man, when their fear is the change that's coming in the F&I or maybe is here in some way? The first thing I'll say on this, and I'll let Tony answer this even a little more deeply because this is a this has been a pet project of his for a long time, and I think any of you on the call know that. Mm-hmm. But we're not advocating eliminating the box. It's not an elimination of a profit center. It's an evolution of a profit center because customers have evolved. I'll be honest with you, a year, almost a year ago, I bought a beautiful new used vehicle. I never set foot in the dealership. That was not my intention. It just so happened. We're in Austin. It was a dealer of ours in San Antonio. They just happened to have it on their pre-owned lot. It was a year old. 
we did everything online over the phone because they made it so easy. Mm-hmm. They still made money because we still bought stuff. It's not an elimination. It's an evolution of how we do business. Why don't you jump in? When we look at the dealership as a whole, especially you brought up transparency, the amount of information available to a customer, what we're seeing, especially very forward-thinking dealers and even some dealers in some of the top 20 groups, they're diversifying where they're making their profitability. You know, it used to be make all the money on the front, make the money on the front, hold money on the trade. We're going to make it in used cars. We're going to make it in F&I. And different dealerships had different thought processes. Well, what we're seeing some, uh, again, very forward-thinking dealers, people moving up in their 20 group, they're making a little bit more money across the board. Overall, gross profitability can still be high, but as opposed to making it all on the front, all on the trade, or all in F&I, it's spread across all the different avenues. And it, the way that I look at it, is and Matt's a big sports fan and he keeps trying to drag me into sports. I, sports I do, I, I do auto racing. I got my I got my Michael Schumacher up. As long here. as it goes fast, Tony's in. I'm in. <laughs> is is uh, the the money or the movie Moneyball and the goal of the movie or the goal of the A's that year was just to get on base, not just to hit a home run. Too many dealers still focus in on the home run. We focus and especially and again, this isn't for every dealership, but focusing on just getting a single every time where I can make a little bit of money on the front, I can make a little bit of money on the back, and when we start looking at the overall profitability, we're all over it. So it's a little bit into the diversification of the portfolio of profitability across the board. Let's make a little bit of money on the front. You know, some dealerships are really looking at what they're going to be able to make on the vehicle that they're, being, that they're trading in, minus reconditioning. A lot of dealers are even looking into what type of profitability they're going to be able to spread into fixed ops mm-hmm. because of the recon on the trade. But when it comes to F&I, it's making a little bit on a lot of product. And from a dealership point of view or a dealer point of view, look at the long-term investment available here. You know, to the dealer, yeah, they want to be able to make some money on a service contract. We'll just pick that product. Okay, a lot may try to make $1,500. That would be great. But if I can double my production in service contract penetration but only make $800, okay, the net might be the same on the front. But look at the long-term profitability for the dealer as a whole. If they do risk risk transfer, they do reinsurance or anything like that, look at what it can do for the dealer as a whole. More importantly, everybody can still be paid in in the dealership, salespeople, sales managers, business managers, it's just more of a diversification. So, like well, Tony, we've talked about numerous. Yeah. Hey, Tony, let me ask you this. I mean, because you know, we have our listeners are tweeting in. Somebody tweeted in how to make money in a one-person selling model? Question mark said eliminate the six hundred thousand dollar personnel cost of F and I. That's too far, though. I mean, in other words, I mean, what, what, what do you think about that? I'll give you a chance to address it because I mean, let's let's this dealers listening right now, and you guys are obviously an, an, an incredible group, and uh, so the. Talk about that. Well, we're, again, the profitability is still there. I'm not eliminating mm. out all the positions. Right. Uh, the FI person all of a sudden just kind of changes up what their primary function is. So they're not seeing 100% of the customers. They're seeing maybe 50% of the customers or 30 40% of the customers. So mm-hmm. the business manager is still instrumental in all of this. Mm-hmm. They still need to get the deals done. We get them approved. We still have to have the relationship with the finance companies. One of the things that we talked about at DD was 
What about secondary finance? I still need a highly talented individual who knows the finance companies, knows the structures, knows the lending guidelines of each individual finance company, and how to be able to position and structure deals to be able to get them approved to increase profitability, be able to sell those customers' vehicles, reduce the, the fee involved in those type of deals. I still need somebody. So even in some hybrid processes, going to it 100% across the board. Because, hey, Tony, because, I, hey, one of, the things, one of the things you just said, I mean, this is, I, mean, I hear this a lot from dealers and, you know, uh, that, we, that we call on. If somebody doesn't, uh, you know, if we're, if we're trying to sell like maybe a credit recovery program, you know, secondary or even maybe a step up from from, from a secondary, maybe the credit recovery, you know, they're not, a, they're, they're in between. A dealer sometimes will not go that direction. And they'll say something like this, and it baffles me. Um, they'll be in a similar market to a client that does three quarters of a million dollars in secondary business a month, you know, and then they'll be in a similar market and they don't even have a secondary department because they'll say something like, ah, we really don't mess a lot. We mess, we don't really mess around with that a lot. What they're really saying I've been doing this 20 years. Is I don't have anybody <laughs> that, you know, or, right. Or they don't know how, right. What we, what like we I don't have that I person. Spoke, a few years ago, I spoke at NADA and the title of my workshop was F and I is not a credit score. Mm. Yeah. And we have an entire generation of people who grew up in the automotive industry who relied on a three digit credit score to tell the people if they, they could buy what their rate would be if they were primary or secondary. Well, after especially 2008, it was the old school business managers who were able to elevate some dealerships. And today, we still need some talented individuals, but all, it's, it's a skill that can be taught. We actually teach it in our advanced, our Series 2 F&I school. We'll actually be teaching some of these skills in our dealership development summits uh, that are going to be going around the country very soon about how to look into credit deeper than just the credit score. Look for the good, identify the bad, but also on how to structure a deal. Mm -hmm. We know that Ford's going to finance a new Ford vehicle faster than a pre-owned. So I may need to submit the deal on a different vehicle and switch it a little bit later. These are some old school techniques that, granted, you just said, a lot of people don't have the people to do it, because nobody knows how to do it. Nobody trains that. We do. We teach it in our series. They're leaving money on the table. I mean, if it. you think about it, I mean, Absolutely. if you want to, you know, I mean, if you want to improve your, your, I mean, if you want to improve your business and grow it. I mean, there's only so much primary business out there. I mean, I'm not really sure you guys probably know the statistics, but I would imagine that there's a very high percentage of Americans that have credit issues. You know, I mean, not me. I, you know, <laughs> you know what are you talking about? But I mean, yeah. what are you going to do? And, You're going to, I mean, eventually. Yeah, I mean, eventually going to have to go into that market and, and know how to deal yeah. with it. And I think, you know, so, I mean, Tony, you, you, you said something that, uh, in Orlando that uh, that stuck with me, too, and, I, and, and it confirmed what I what I hear and know and that, you know, uh, about steps and, you know, it takes that special person that's going to chase those steps or maybe gather the steps or, or know how to deal with the banks to build a relationship. And it, it's it's uh, when you have that person. You almost like they almost put them up on a pedestal, and it's like, hey, I got, I got this subprime guy, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's like, right. but wh why, you know, why is that limited to like one out of every hundred dealers or whatever, you know? Well, let me let me chime in here for just a second and go back, you know, recircling this hybrid issue. Mm -hmm. We want to be very clear: this is not something that's for every dealer. Mm -hmm. Some dealers have such a smooth operation in handing the deal from the sales desk to the F&I department because they've been communicating well and working well for a long time. And they have a good solid process yeah. that works. The process is the key. 
But what is a viable next step for every F&I office, every sales office, is to start, you know, I'm holding up an iPad here, it's, it's just a black screen, but this is the key. Because in the hybrid process, this is one of the keys. I know the Sonic stores have tried this and several of them with some great success, and I, I was actually had a privilege to go see some of them, and all of their people had this, and they communicated with a customer like this. Customers shop on their iPad and on their computer. If they walk into the dealership, and we're still using paper for everything we do, their level of um, tech, wow, yeah, their level of wow is pretty much gone. Mm -hmm. But if we're using the same technology that they're using to shop, and we're using it to help them buy, our level of intelligence goes up. Anybody that uses an iPad, people think they're intelligent, and that's not always true. No. Have you met some of the followers? I just carry one around sometimes. I carry one around sometimes. Right. So if you might think I'm smart, you so know, I'm Dave like, wears glasses too. He wears glasses and carries around an iPad all the time. My glasses are real, smart. by the way. Well, yeah, Subi yeah. grabbed my glasses at Digital Dealer. I think she thought they were fake, and she was like, "Dang, you're blind." I'm nearsighted. I, I'm blind as a bat, but I just like style, man. And I don't like putting stuff in my eyeballs. Well, but go ahead. Sorry, guys. Hi, so you were no, saying? That, no, that's it. I mean, just the technology piece is the is the really that next step that we've got to begin to embrace. We're doing things to really push that envelope here, but customers shop on technology. Mm -hmm. We have to sell on technology when they come to the dealership. Their trust factor and the wow factor and the efficiency factor is going to go up. Man, I love the fact, guys, thank you for coming on here. And I love the fact that, uh, I, first of all, I love the, the, the setup in the background, man. I, I'd, li uh, I'd like to have you guys, you know, I'd like to start, I kind of talked to, uh, I came from Tony at DD or Matt one time when I when I when I met you and you stopped by uh, last year. I you know I would love to have you guys on 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 a uh, at least a, a couple of every month basis and have you have almost like a little F and I corner. You know what I mean? Like a, like a kind of a. I'm with it. You know what I'm saying? Because this is really cool, man. The way you guys, I mean, because it's, you're bringing knowledge to the table. And I think that uh, somebody uh, tweeted out said, "Looks like a used car velocity for F and I," and so. Uh, right. You know, so there's some there's some cool feedback on Twitter from uh, from dealers and and uh, and uh, I, I think you guys are doing a bang up job, man. Well, look, I'll, I'll throw out this: we're in on that because our philosophy as a training and development division and as a company as a whole is is goes into our motto, which is giving people the power to perform. Well, the way we do that is through training, education, and development. So anything we can do to help the auto industry improve. That's our game. And since you brought up a, a little bit of F&I, and I'm kind of an F&I kind of guy, see, I even have my can of Lysol here. So here's your quick tip for the day. All business managers, F&I, every dealer, every GSM watching, go get your business manager a can of Lysol. This is a service contract close because when a customer says that, they can, that their car that they're buying is a good car, we can go into the 99.9% .9 close because it says right here that Lysol kills 99.9% .9 of the germs. And if your vehicle was as effective as Lysol, that, you, that means you'd have 16 things break on the vehicle. Let's cut that just down to four things that break on the vehicle. You could be looking at $4,000 worth of repair costs as opposed <coughs> to enrolling with a service contract for $21.38 and only changing your payment $26 a month. So $26 a month, even if your car was better and more effective than Lysol, wouldn't only make sense for you to have a service contract. You guys thought these were just I'm sold. Nope, they're props. Can I get two of them? I'm going to buy a can of Lysol for all my sales guys right now. Put it up on their on their desk, Tony. We'll be awesome. I'm in. We're doing it, though. There you go. <laughs> I need a close for Boba Fett, though. I don't have a close for Boba Fett. We'll come up with that. We're going with next week. That's right. Yeah, next time. All right, guys. Well, thank you. Hey, tell us how somebody can reach out to you guys, and, uh, and uh, thank you guys for being on. 
Here, we'll. Uh, I don't know, can we do it? Yeah, here. I don't know. Can y'all see that? There you go. Yep. Wow, look at that. Tony D. What's the rest of it? 512. Uh, 542. 542. 1669. 1669. First class, man. Love the setup. Thank you guys for being with us. Absolutely. Yeah, have a great weekend. Have you too, great. sir. See Thank you, you, guys. That was pretty cool. That was cool. They got a cooler setup. Why that we was have cool. a board like that? We do have a board like that. It's my iPad with my with the well, pen. We, we, we do a freaking have... Monday meetings on the on the train yeah, and train. No, we should probably, right, yeah. we don't use it here. We can turn around and talk it. and write on there like that. Why are you talking? I don't get to use it. You spit your drink out all over the studio floor. <laughs> what the heck? I, I, I was like, what's happened a few times where I keep getting like the, it's yeah. like, I call it the giggles kind of was. Yeah. Like, I can't, it wasn't even nothing really funny happened. I saw a couple people behind her. I'm like, oh, that's kind of amusing. And I looked at you. Yeah, I wasn't doing anything. Like, I was like, I was doing this. And I was like, I oh, he's probably thinking, look. he's probably laughing inside. <laughs> and then you're like, nothing that happened. And then you had a little bit of smirk. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I shouldn't drink any water. And I did the water thing like a. Oh, geez. The sad part is I knew you were laughing. I knew you were giggling. And I'm sitting there, and I look over to my left, and I look back, and all of a sudden I see you half off camera spitting water out on my studio What if that got on the uh, – yeah, did that get on the shot? Yes. Sweet. Oh, of course. I'm pretty sure I can slow-mo that. Let's do it. So, Mike, we got to go. So, do me a favor before we, we go. Yeah, we're like, well, I mean, we don't have to. We can do it. technically it's the internet, but <laughs> I'm sure, pretty sure because tweets have stopped, no one's watching. But next up, at this particular point, Mike, give us a uh, – 20-second plug on Just a Millennial with you and Mikey Okendo. Um, well, every week we release a new episode on the Autotainment Network, autotainmentnetwork.com. Tommy, <sighs> stop it. You know what? I got an idea. I forgot I didn't. I forgot how massive I am. I'm like, I forgot. Here. Awesome oh, look. You're not oh. there anymore. Look at oh, there. Oh, yeah. yeah I'm more, much more handsome. You should probably put it back on me. Not really. But uh, every week we release a new episode. It is Mikey and I and our take. We are two millennials. We work in the automotive industry and the automotive space. And it is our take on different things that plague um, that plague the automotive industry. One of them is you know car buying from a millennial perspective. Another one we just did was everybody loves to hate us. Everybody loves to hate millennials. We are like the new edgy kids that everybody just loves. There to was hate. like there, there was actually uh, we actually had a question that involved millennials. The BDC boardroom question that actually had millennial in. I'm like I'm not doing it. And I'm we not know, doing yeah it. you hate millennials. We get I don't it. hate just, millennials. You're just the grumpy. Oh, you're just the grumpy Gen Wire. We got it. It's cool. He does. Yeah. He thinks you guys Whatever, are entitled. Bro. It's All whatevs, right. man. <sighs> Kevin Campbell. Thank you. Kevin Campbell. We can always depend on Kevin Campbell and Curtis Snyder there. Look at him. Still tweeting. That's still what I'm going. talking about. Arnold already passed out. All right. <laughs> so we're out of here, guys. Hey, thank you for listening to us, man. The next up is the great American. Oh, check this out. We got to say something really quick. Oh, oh man. I wish I had said this earlier. That gummit. Stupid. Stupid me. Next week, I can say it because it's two weeks from today. Check this out. Now, this is a beast. Come on, Alan Ram. Speaking of Alan Ram, he's going to be here in Tampa, Florida. April 7th. Now, listen to this, guys. April 7th, two weeks from today, we will be doing our show live on remote at Brandon Honda. John Marazzi, the general manager, dealer principal of Brandon Honda, will be with us. We'll be doing it live at Brandon Honda. Alan Ram is going to be there training that day, so he's going to be helping us as a, a third host 
and we're going to be doing our show at Brandon Honda, John Marazzi, and we're going to have a couple of other dealers on as well. So that's our Great American Automotive Panel, uh, the Day it? of Reckoning, so uh, Tower good. Talks coming up. We got all kinds of freaking good shows. Well, what's going to be awesome about the next, the one with Alan Ram at, at Brandon Honda, is that they're going to actually present me with a top of the line uh, Honda just yeah. for they. Yeah. No, we're not. The Honda Matchbox car. Hey, we got to go. Well, whatever, whatever. I got work say. to do. I'm here. What's up? Arnold is not passed out. He's here. Yeah, I'm not passed out yet. Uh, yeah. I'm yeah. still here. You spelled passed out wrong. I'm just kidding. Hey, and Candace Crane was the one, by the way, that Candace said. Candace Crane uh, kills it. Candace she- Crane said, you want to save money in the F&I? Get rid of the $600,000 F&I expense. How about that, yo? And then she said, I can't type fast enough. And I think she is might she- have uh, broke a nail. I don't know. She was trying to type, and I could see it in the tweet that she couldn't type it fast enough. All right, hey, we've got to go. We're getting flat-out delirious. I've drank some of that Kool-Aid that Gus had. I don't know Ooh, what. that Kool-Aid was tainted. That's, a, that's some of that. What's, what was that guy that did the Kool-Aid thing? Uh, Jim Jones. That's Every a Jim time Jones we try Kool-Aid. to close, oh, we, you yeah. keep coming back, Tommy. Okay, you want to close? Punch you. <laughs> you gonna, oh, you All right, guys. How about this? You guys can keep talking. I got work to do. Bless you. Because <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got money on the table. <laughs> I got to go get. All right, guys, have a good day. What do you say? Peace. Go ahead. Boom. Oh, good shot.